You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Well, happy Monday, everyone. Got a lot to talk about, as we always do on this Monday edition of the pod. We got to talk about your field trip, Michael Barr. Uh, Michael Barr at the races, I think... I, this is a family show, so I'll just say, like a pig in poop, um, you know, there in the Poconos, I believe. So tell us about where you were, what you saw, the the look and feel. Well, it's one of those things, and I've been there many times, but still, uh, you go into the pits. You're in the pits at Pocono, and uh, it was a, a dual doubleheader, is the best way I can describe it. They were running the, the trucks on Saturday, and then they were going to run the Cup Series for another race, and then Sunday they were running uh, the Infinity Series, and then they're running another Cup race, which is really good. I mean, it really packs it in for the fans. And there were a lot of people in the stands, too. It was neat. But uh, when you're there in the pits and the air guns sound like the birds in the morning, I mean, it's it's great. I, I love it. I, it is the, the smell of rubber and, and the fuel and it, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're right. Pig and poop. That so, was it. So you were actually you were down in the in, in the pits. So it means you had to wear long pants and no open toe shoes. Exactly. Right? Exactly. All right. All right. So what was what is to me the most impressive thing when I'm down? I, I was there once. Was the pit stop? 14 seconds to change four tires and load 22 gallons of gas. Mm-hmm. What 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 wowed you down in the pits? Well, I, you'll see how everybody interacts with each other, and and you have one person who is trying to make sure uh, that you don't have a runaway tire. And I'm in that pit where all of a sudden, uh, let's let's just say the guy who's the head of the team runs and dives over the wall to make sure that the that that tire does not go anywhere. See, he couldn't uh, go totally in the pits because then that's a penalty. You have too many men over the wall. So he's like leaning over the wall trying to get this tire, and thank goodness they caught it, so there was no penalty. But it, it just it amazes me how it, it looks like synchronized swimming because everybody is, is coordinated, everybody's doing their thing. And then next year, keep in mind, this is the last year for the five lug nut rule. Next year, they're going to go to the single lug nut, like they used to have, like they still have in Indy cars. The classic oh. five lug nut rule, everyone. I'm sure <laughs> you're intimately familiar with that. Uh, so, you know, obviously, we're in this mode bar where people are getting back to watching things in person. What was the vibe like am- among the crowd that you saw? Well, the biggest vibe was you really didn't see people with masks. Yeah. And, and that kind of amazed me and and you're kind of going by the honor system i guess because i don't think you had to show proof that you were vaccinated or anything and so you're kind of going by the honor system Uh, and then on top of that you you had people who were simply just excited to be there and i and and we we did a couple of uh, interviews we talked to uh the sponsor of one of the races uh which is a cbd uh, that they have a plant there, and just we talked about why they were sponsoring the race, uh, and it was pretty interesting. So maybe later on this week we'll we'll have some clips of that. Yeah, looking forward to that for sure, for sure. And the state of racing is, I feel like you know, writing a, a state of the union speech. The state of the union is the the state of racing 
feels strong at, at this point, right? I mean, what was the business side that you got from from talk? Just preview that for us a little bit. Well, th- there were two things. One, you're getting more sponsors. Now, keep in mind, the Pocono Raceway for many years did not have a sponsor for the races. Huh. It was just simply the Pocono 500 and the Pennsylvania 500. And it wasn't until recently when they finally decided, okay, we need some sponsors. And that's one of the biggest changes that I had seen in that. Uh, and, you know, but still, uh, the Mattioli family, which uh, they own the racetrack, yeah. uh, they still are a strong presence. We were talking about that uh, off air, that usually, you know, if there was a NASCAR track, like you would see it, like with the Daytona and the NASCAR family, the France family owns it, you see this heavy presence of NASCAR. But with the Mattioli family, uh, it's a lot of local businesses up there that are sponsoring. And that's something that's very good for the local community. Well, and I did hear VR producer Charlie Vollmer that uh, one person who was notably present is relatively new owner uh, to the sport, Michael Jordan, uh, there in the pit with Bubba Wallace. So yeah. Bubba Wallace's team, I should say. Yeah. it's I, I don't care what anybody says. You get up close and personal. You see all of these guys. You see Michael Jordan. You see the cars up close uh, before they wreck. And, and and it really is a sight to see. And if anybody can go see a race, go do it because it's to me it's a lot like going to a hockey game. It's one thing one thing to see a hockey game on yeah. TV, but when you see it in person, it's a totally different experience. Yeah. Well, and and listen, we know that among the most popular sports in the world, and certainly here in the United States, uh, fast cars they draw a ton 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 of interest and money and sponsorship dollars and that is only continuing uh well lynchy speaking of owners uh Mm. let's go to the west coast look at the los angeles dodgers owners uh they're getting into the basketball business specifically with the los angeles lakers uh minority share sale happening there with with the lakers uh phil anschutz is selling his stake uh, to a couple of nearby owners, the L.A. Dodgers, Todd Bowley, uh, leading that effort. This is really interesting as you start to see these empires, I think, expanding across various sports. Yeah, they, they just pretty soon are going to join this elite group, like Liberty Media that owns Formula Run and the Braves, Cronky uh, who owns the Rams, uh, Arsenal, the Denver Nuggets and the Avs and the Fenway Sports Group. That's what I see uh, developing and working uh, out in Los Angeles with this little marriage between the Dodgers and the Lakers. Two um, brands recognizable around the planet, two very successful uh, franchises and brands. And it's, uh, you know, the way of the sports world now, the professional sports world is get big or get out. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And the other, I think, notable thing about this deal, uh, which was written about quite a bit, including by our pals over at Sportico, is we get a new valuation for Mm -hmm. the Dodgers, excuse me, for the Lakers, $5 billion, give or take. And uh, I mean, Lynchy, it's also interesting Five billion dollars is is no small amount of money. Clearly, just on the face of it, but also the rise in valuations across all sports teams, but especially the NBA. I mean, that is a tremendous amount of money, and starts to to pivot back to what you were saying before. Starts to, I think, 
point toward a future where you are going to have these empires building because no one else is going to be able to afford these teams. You know, I happened to talk with the uh, on the golf course on Friday with the head of the Fenway Sports Group, and I talked to him about this very subject here, the Lakers and the Dodgers, and he said, well, he said, John Henry is keeping a keen eye on that, and he is not done uh, accumulating professional franchises. And I said, NBA? And he just smiled and said, hmm, we'll wait and see. Yeah. So... N- People are not standing still here, and you're right. These you're, they are empires. They look at that Liberty Media Group, and which I just mentioned, the Cronky Group, yeah. and the Fenway Sports Group. Now, pretty soon, this Lakers Dodgers union here is going to become some type of. They're going to gobble up uh, a, a soccer team in Europe. They're probably going to gobble up an MLS team, and they're going to join these other elite uh, empires and powerful sports uh, entities. Well, and in some ways, you saw the blueprint of this starting to form. I mean, obviously, Fenway. Uh, was there with with Liverpool, I believe, just ahead of or around the same time that you saw Harris Blitzer, of course, the owners of the uh, New Jersey Devils and the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers also get into the English football business with Crystal Palace. So there you have, you know, three of the world's biggest sports. They don't have an NFL team and they don't have an MLB team yet, although they did make that Harris Blitzer uh, reportedly did make a play for the Mets, which obviously ultimately went to Stevie Cohen, um, and you know A Rod and and J Lo were in the mix there too. Uh, and I believe actually Harris Blitzer they have a minority stake in the Steelers, um, so they're in the NFL business in in a small way. Uh, but this is where it's going, and and it'll be interesting to see. This mm-hmm. is a media play, it's a sports play, it's you know a merch play, all of these different things. Uh, but the big the big are getting bigger. That is for sure. Well, uh, one big thing that we should talk about that's on the calendar is Wimbledon. But mm. Wimbledon is really going to be light on stars. Uh, Simona Halep is not playing. Uh, Dominic Team, Rafa not playing. Naomi, of course. Osaka not playing. Stan Wawrinka uh, and others all going to skip out on uh, on strawberries and cream. And uh, I don't know. That that doesn't bode well for, for the rest of the summer and, candidly, for viewership and, and the business of tennis, Lindsay. No, I mean, it's it's like, would you watch the Masters if Tiger Woods wasn't there? Well, obviously, a lot of people didn't because yeah. they want Tiger Woods to be in the Masters. And it's the same thing. Uh, with with Wimbledon, this is very a very thin field right here. It's probably an automatic for Serena just to make it all the way to the finals right now, unless some injury uh, knocks her out. And it's too bad um, because these people are making so much money. The incentive, you know, Serena's won enough. I mean, she's out of the Olympics, as as we said, but she's in Wimbledon, yeah. and maybe they've won enough, and maybe they're you know the the itch has been scratched and it's not there anymore. Well, it seems like a real moment of transition in the world of pro mm-hmm. tennis on both the men's and the women's side, a new generation coming along. So we'll see uh, how that emerges. I mean, the good news, and we've talked about it on this program uh, already, but I will continue to talk about it because I'm so excited, is that you know <laughs> the U.S. Open is going to be played uh, in front of a full house of fans at, at Ash and on the grounds there of the Billie Jean King Tennis Center over in Flushing, Queens, and you know, that will be exciting, and hopefully you're going to have a lot of these names who are sitting out some of the early tournaments or withdrawing from the earlier uh, Grand Slams there. Uh, I do want to wrap up, if we can, talking a little baseball. We talked about this last week and sort of the yep. <laughs> ham-fisted way 
uh, if I may editorialize a bit on how Major League Baseball is dealing with the stickiness of this foreign substance uh, issue. Michael Barr, this this came up in a big way over the weekend because you had the first ejection, uh, Hector Santiago playing for the Mariners. He was actually thrown out. He protested and basically said, listen, I was just using rosin. That's that's totally kosher. Uh, this is getting uglier before it gets better, it feels like. Yeah, this happened in the fifth inning against the Chicago White Sox. And I, if it was indeed rosin, because sometimes rosin, now I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes rosin can get sticky, especially if it's humid. You know, it, it will have a, a sticky feel to it. If that's exactly what happened, now we got a problem. It's well, you you have a legal substance that is not that was just banned. So I'd like to see where this is going to go because he's looking at a ten game suspension. It's comical. The glove was placed in an authentication bag and then being shipped to New York for analysis. This is basically CSI MLB right now. And you know, are we really going to get this deep into this thing? This has almost become a farce. Uh, this stuff's been going on for a long, long time. Maybe it was rosin. I don't know. If it was some pine tar or some other substance, then Santiago isn't a very bright guy because it's it's not. You, you can't hide it in a glove. There's got to be better hiding places here. But right. <laughs> if he gets suspended for ten games, they can't replace him on the roster. Now he is a pitcher, so that's a little bit different from an everyday player. But uh, this this is. You know, unfortunately, this is the only thing that's interesting about Major League Baseball right now. I know. That's the thing, I that, and we yeah. talked about this last week. I mean, that, that to me is the worst part about this, is that no one's talking about, you know, kind of where we are at this point in the season, or who's yeah. surging, and, you know, who looks like they may make a deal later on in the season to make a deep run into the playoffs. This is all anybody can talk about at baseball, and if that's the story, if you're Rob Manfred uh, in the commissioner's office, this is, this is not going well for you. Uh, meanwhile, we are headed toward the finals, getting closer and closer in both the NHL uh, and the NBA. Uh, local NHL fans here in New York City, sad to see the Islanders uh, eliminated uh John Ledecky and his crew uh, made a gallant effort there to try and win one last title uh, there in Nassau Coliseum, but couldn't quite get there. And so now you have this sort of weird thing with two Eastern Conference teams matching up for the finals. Just And this is... Uh, Keep me honest here, Lynchy. I mean, this is because mm-hmm. you had a, basically a reorganized uh, NHL yes. owing to COVID, right? Yes. And, and when the, the NHL ex- expanded uh, in the late 60s, um, the all the expansion teams were put in. They created a Western division. And they had teams like the Philadelphia Flyers right. were in the Western division. Well, the St. Louis Blues played the every, – every team that won the Western division was automatically in the Stanley Cup finals. And they got obliterated. So in the early 70s, the National Hockey League took the whole Eastern and Western Conference, seeded them 1 through 16, and that's how they played them. So in 70, like the Bruins played the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup finals. And that's how the Islanders and the Flyers wound up playing uh, back 
back in 1980. Then we've since have gone to different divisions and conferences. I like it. I like it that you get two East Coast teams. Yeah. It would have been nice uh, were at the Islanders and the Canadians. That would have been you know pretty nostalgic. But I think it's good for hockey that the Canadians are back in. It's the first time in nearly 30 years that the Canadians are in there. And there's so much history there and so much tradition. It's sort of like having like the Yankees back Yeah, there. exactly. The Habs. Yeah, it'll be yes. uh, it'll be fun to watch. And on the NBA side, uh, you know, we'll see the you know, we had a lot of exciting uh, second round games and now the the conference finals on on either end you know we're recording this on Monday and the Hawks had a tough loss last night at home versus the Bucks and you know one of these freak freak moments where Trey Young the unmitigated superstar of the or, or unassailable superstar it seemed of the Hawks literally twists his ankle on the ref I mean it's just like you can't you sort of can't make it up, but uh, something was bound to happen. I'm not sure if anybody had had a a betting line on Trey Young gets hurt by twisting his ankle on the ref. I I, I would no. love to see it. No, nobody <laughs> nobody had that line. Nobody would take. They weren't taking the points on yeah. that one. It, yeah. it was it was bad. But oh, I will man. say that uh, it, it's been it's been a fun playoffs to watch so far, and uh, you know obviously the Suns uh, looking looking very good, and yeah. we'll see how uh, how this all shakes out. But some good storylines, and uh, and you know we'll see if people continue to tune in. Ratings have not been great uh, on that side, so uh, depending on how it all shakes out. We shall see. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Podcast. I'm Michael Barr. You can follow me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Mike Lynch. Happy that Michael Barr made it safely back from the Pocono 500. And you can mm. follow me at Lynchy at WCBB. And I'm Jason Kelly. Find me at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday exploring the world of money and sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world. See what I did there? And online, wherever you get your podcasts.